Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Banks, host of Leadership Luminaries, a PeopleSmart production. PeopleSmart provides innovative learning solutions, both virtual and in person, to organizations in many countries, cultures, and languages, focusing on leadership and people development in the context of digital transformation, change management, culture change, and the increasing need for emotional intelligence. My guest today is Emile Brock, and we'll be talking about the relevance of ketchup, geckos, and green shoes to his success at SUSE, a global software leader in innovative, reliable, and enterprise-grade open source solutions. A bit, of, uh, a bit about Emil before we get stuck into the questioning. Um, Emil Brock is head of training services, responsible for EMEA and APJ regions at SUSE. Uh, he's projects lead and board member in the steering, in the steering committee at SUSE, uh, Go Green Employee Network. He's a board member at Dutch Workers' Council and a co-founder and board member and master of ceremony at, which I'm sure very good at, because you'll, you'll find out during this conversation, at ICT Network Nijmegen. Emil is an open source expert who's passionate about sharing knowledge. He believes that by making software available to anyone, we can go faster and make the world a better place. Emil is an advocate for diversity and inclusion within his company and outside, and received uh, a DNI award personally from the SUSE CEO, is Melissa Di Donato, right? Correct, yes. Um, so he also has an amazing self-produced YouTube channel uh, called Friday Ketchup. More of that later. I've had the great pleasure of being a guest on his show. Um, and there's a certain thing about it being on his show, which I particularly liked, which is about the music, which we'll come to. Um, <laughs> and uh, where he in, in the Friday Ketchup, not Ketchup, ketchup as in tomato ketchup where he discusses open source topics combined with some fun and some very colorful shirts with guests every week emil is a true believer in mentorship and knowledge sharing beyond just code so having said all that emil welcome thank you very much it's funny to hear your own bio like this, right? It's like, wow, is it really about me? <laughs> it is. Well, those are the facts. Um, <laughs> they are, yes. <laughs> um, so um, we've got lots to talk about. And um, so I'm going to plunge in and give people a bit of a sort of context here to who you are and what you're doing. Your mission in life, as you say, is to make the world a better place by evangelizing open source. Now, for a lot of people who are not tech-oriented, um, what does that mean? First of all, just a simple definition of open source, mm -hmm. and why is it so important that you uh, promote that in the world to make it a better place? Yeah, well, thank you, first of all, for having me in this uh, podcast, uh, Michael. It's a big honor to be in it. I listen to it. Uh, to your uh, podcast uh, uh, quite regularly, and I enjoy it uh, so much. It's a big honor for me to be actually uh, your guest now. Um, uh, now to your question, what is open source? Uh, open source is uh, open source software. First is software that uh, anyone is uh, free to use, uh, to change, and um, uh, yeah, to, to do all sorts of things with. But there is always... Um, the other side as well. So um, in the 
proprietary or in the software world in total, you have copyrights. Everybody knows copyrights. Like actually it was one of the challenges we wanted to open up with music, but because of copyrights, we couldn't. The thing with open source software is that instead of copyright, we have copyleft. So in fact, in, instead of saying what you cannot do, we tell people what you can do with the software. And I think that's uh, the, the, the essence of, uh, of open source. And, and to, to explain why I think the world would be in a better place, uh, even more beautiful place than it already is, um, if all software, but even more than that, uh, if you look at the pharmaceutical industry, I am an um, ambassador even of uh, the, uh, the vaccine for Corona. We all, with public money, paid for uh, the different variations of the vaccines that are produced all over the world. We, as the people, paid for it. But still, the, the, the rights and the intellectual property on it is with a few pharmaceutical companies. And there's nothing wrong with making money. And there's nothing wrong with pharmaceutical industry. There's nothing wrong with the software industry. But if we, the people, pay for something, why is it not ours? So I'm a big um, enthusiastic ambassador of public money, public code. But more than that, public money should also have made the vaccine for corona and the different vaccines there are. Uh, it, it should have been public, in my opinion, because uh, then anybody in the whole world could uh, um, use the knowledge and we would have been a lot further in, um, in, in, in fighting this, uh, this, this uh, terrible situation. And in fact, I even believe that, uh, and that, well, it's not even a belief, it's even true, that if um, we would have shared all the knowledge among all the universities all over the world, that not only the corona vaccine, but uh, sorry, the corona disease, but also all the other diseases uh, coming up in the future, we would have been uh, better in, in making ourselves, the, 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 the human race, stronger against uh, this, uh, this virus. So going from open source software into uh, even more than that, open source should be a way of living. I, you know, it's, 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 it's what you're saying is radical, but it's, it makes total sense. And it also, it also would actually get over this problem that people have, which, by the way, I think is understandable that people are, have a problem with the few pharmaceutical companies making mm -hmm. lots of money. Mm -hmm. And perhaps, and there's a skepticism about, uh, about that. And I think what you're suggesting is almost like democratizing, genuinely democratizing knowledge and information so that you can get better solutions yeah. uh, rather than just making it about, because you, 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 if you're a big pharma company, you are a target for those who would want to say, well, look, you, you're just blowing, uh, you're fear-mongering the virus in blowing it up out of proportion it's uh, making it sound like it's worse than it is so that you can sell more vaccines. Um, but anyway, that's, that's a path we could go, go yeah. on. Uh, but, yeah. but I really like your idea, Emil. Um, I'm going to ch change tack a bit at the moment. <laughs> someone said to me the other day that her, someone who I know very well, her niece, I think it was, 
had just joined Sousa. Really? I, I said, oh, that's interesting because, you know, one of my uh, podcast guests in the next few weeks is going to be Emile Brock from Sousa. She said, and so this person said, yeah, it's a really good company. And uh, I, apart from that, I thought you'd like to know that. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I worked there now since seven years and I really do love uh, the company. Uh, never a dull moment. And it's changed a lot over the years that I've been there. But um, yeah, I do. I do love uh, Susan a lot. Well, that's what my next question was going to be, because I, I kind of intuit that it's a great place to work. Now, yeah. I'm extrapolating based on my uh, knowledge of you. Um, having said that, what makes it a great place to work? Yeah, well, in, in my opinion, um, as I said, never a dull moment. So, uh, yes, we are a, uh, a stock-owned company. We're actually on a German stock exchange now, on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. Um, so, yes, uh, we also have our uh, quarterly targets. And in fact, uh, in a couple of days from now, we have the end of the fiscal quarter. So it's always a enormous rat race to, uh, to, to make your numbers at the end of the quarter. Um, so that's no different compared to other companies. I think where the difference is, is uh, in uh, the fact that we um sell and um uh, we sell subscriptions on open source so I, I i told you that i think the whole world should have been uh, made around open source and um our companies around open source and it's not just open source code um i really genuinely um seen proof that we as SUSE are more um open compared to other companies um, more open uh, in the area of diversity and inclusion. Um, it's already starting with our uh, CEO. Uh, she herself uh, um, is a female and she is a, a big, big uh, promoter and advocate for women in tech. And um, this idea of everybody should feel welcome at SUSE is something that is really into the smallest veins of the company, in my uh, experience and in my opinion. Yeah, and I, and I asked you that question as well. Thank you for, for that. Um, because I, a lot of what the discussions are these days, certainly and the, the discussions I have with my guests, are around what, what's it gonna take or what is it what's it gonna take for companies to successfully overcome this great resignation, this war for talent, staff shortages, and so on and so forth. Isn't it all about creating a, a company or a culture within the company that, that attracts people and makes them really want to be there? That's, that was why, well, I think the work you're doing is so fascinating, uh, and we're going to get into that, uh, but there's an element of, um, you, you used the phrase, I think, the other day with me, playful learning. Um, and what, what do you mean by playful learning? Can you give me some examples of this at Sousa, in particular, uh, the, the, your role in the company? How do you employ playful learning? What is it? It's a, a very good question. Um, you have many uh, leaders of a training organization, any IT company, any larger company has got a head of training services, right? There's nothing... Um, 
specific for SUSE about that. But if you are in a huge company uh, and in a strong competitive market, and you want to be seen as a department or as an individual or um, uh, as, as how would you say, a, a business unit, we are uh, theoretically a, a three people, maybe four if you count creatively, um, business unit within a two and a half thousand people organization. I think that our department within Susan, outside of Susan, is seen a lot more compared to our size because one of the things that we do is we are uh, quite active on social media. And um, you mentioned the YouTube channel I have. And I think playful learning is something where um, due to, uh, you have, of course, gamification, but there are all sorts of uh, um, uh, creative, playful ways to bring knowledge from one person to the other or from one person to many other uh, people. And it's about trying to keep someone's attention longer uh, compared to just being the so many um, uh, presenter, showing your next uh, PowerPoint slide or for open source people, uh, your, uh, uh, the, 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 I can't get the name now, it's terrible, uh, but the uh, open alternative for uh, Microsoft uh, Office, um, a LibreOffice, of course. And instead of being the next person on in a row of presentations where you are showing the next slides, uh, using a quiz format, for example, is something that I uh, do regularly. So if I want to learn people about, for example, our technical training, I put it in a quiz format. And there are simple tools that you, you literally take no more than, I would say, 15 minutes to set up, not more time than uh, setting up a PowerPoint presentation for a uh, uh, if you want to bring a topic across, bring this into a uh, quiz format like Kahoot, and there are different alternatives. And um, I really believe that what you bring across sticks longer. Yes, and you were t you've talked to me in the past about um, being memorable. And one yes. of the questions I had for, uh, is your audience for for what you're talking about, you know, the playful learning sort of mode, is it internal people or is it external or is it both? I mean, it's a good question. It's, it's both. Um, so uh, my role, but also the role of my counterparts for uh, uh, Americas and for, uh, for APJ. Um, uh, we have quite a few <laughs> uh, uh, areas to cover. So we must make sure that all our, Salespeople, the sales teams know about our port product portfolio. Um, what is so specific about SUSE technical training? Why should they bring the topic of technical training up with their customers? Um, so that's one side of the business uh, of my daily task. Another part is uh, if customers are interested, we are the ones that are being uh, drawn into a conversation with a customer 
uh, to explain them um, in detail as much as possible, what we recommend them, which courses to follow or which formats to follow. Because of course, nowadays you have e-learning and instructor-led training or a combination of both. And we are there to inform the customers. And besides that, also you want to be um, uh, visible in the market. So uh, also um, bringing uh, SUSE training uh, visible to the wider audience is also uh, part of our task. So that means that we have quite a few um, areas to cover. And then um, it's also important that not just salespeople, but also our consultants, uh, also people from the marketing, uh, basically everyone in, in SUSE, in our opinion, should understand why it is so important that our customers get a proper technical training and preferably even a certification. Now that sounds great, um, and and it makes a lot of sense. But is it to to some people, including myself, it might sound a bit dry, the way you describe it. <laughs> How, however, I know for a fact that you, it, that part of your making the, it's sort of like you're making the experience of the training and of learning uh, memorable. You're doing it in a way that uh, maybe sets you apart and makes it more interesting for your customers and for your salespeople to be part of this learning. Because the learning is not just a dry learning, it's a, I wanna say, entertaining learning, right? Yes. And, and, and I've got, I'm now gonna, I've got a segue into one of my, the thing that really amazed me is that you have the Sousa parodies that yes. you put out on YouTube. Um, <clears throat> In fact, you have your own, correct if I'm wrong, your own house band who correct as well. absolutely yeah. brilliant. I mean, I'm a yeah. music aficionado. I know my music very well. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, that guy on bass, the six-string bass, yeah. and those singers and the drummer, I mean, the band is just like, they could be, they could go off from Sousa and become a world-class rock band. Yeah, you know, yeah. and... and which makes it, sorry for interrupting you, but yeah, I really yeah, want a, a big shout out here to that uh, uh, group of colleagues because the majority of them, except the singers, they actually are a uh, daytime job. They are our colleagues. So if you have a technical consultant in Canada, uh, there's quite a, a large uh, possibility that the bass player of the Sousa band actually comes in and does uh, a great uh um, migration uh, from uh, like the digital transformation for you. So it's not even his daytime job. He actually was one of the guests in the Friday Catch-Up as well. Um, but yeah, the Sousa band is absolutely awesome. And, and it's interesting because you take you take all of these, um, um, the, the band plays well-known tracks. And one of yeah. the ones that I sadly can't play you today, but <laughs> would have loved to, is the Linkin Park track which i know is one of your favorites correct and not only is it a carbon coffee of the original lincoln park song but you've changed the lyrics and this is what's so fascinating so you've yeah. changed the lyrics that it ends up being almost like a um we are Sousa, and this is where we come from we started with linux we we then um and the words are, in fact the, the version you sent me the words are actually there and, and I'm thinking, this is amazing. If I was in Sousa, I would love the fact 
that we have in my company our own band that puts our own words i mean it's it's tremendous and um so actually uh again kudos to another uh member of that band that's jeff price who is, uh, I hope I have his title correct, but I believe a super senior uh, technical consultant for uh, North America. Yeah. He's a drummer of the band, but he also did quite a few of the, I don't know if he did all the, uh, the lyrics, yes. but at least quite a few uh, of the lyrics. Of um, So we, we look at a song, uh, we want to have a globally known song, and then uh, we put our own uh, lyrics over it. We even had a contest a couple of years ago where we said to the uh, Sousa community, we told them, if there is a song that you think is suited for a, uh, a Sousa parody, let us know and we will produce it. And that person actually got to go for free to the SousaCon uh, conference in, I believe it was in Nashville, that one. Well, I've got to take my hat off. The production is superb. The videos are incredible. <laughs> um, but... Um... I'm just curious, is, the, is your audience for that, for the bands, for the various parodies, is it internal again or is it external as well or just internal? Uh, for the band, mostly internal, although the community and uh, one of the actually group of, uh, I was thinking who else are uh, we as a training department dealing with besides our customers and our own uh, colleagues. We also have our partners, of course, because the, the, the partners uh are are vital for the success of SUSE. so uh, for who is the band for who are those conferences where they play that's for the complete SUSE community and the complete SUSE community is our own people our customers and our partners <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> excuse me it's interesting it reminds me of uh <clears throat> something very radical i was involved in in the 1980s <laughs> we had a company in London, and uh, we closed it down uh, one year to to go to Morocco, and so we had every we chartered a couple of jet planes um, and took over the Queen of Morocco's summer summer village over oh, the, right. the <laughs> mountain. Anyway, we had a we actually trucked a bunch of speakers over, um, and had a concert, and we had our own band, and wow. some of the band members like there was Tony Visconti, who's David Bowie's producer. He was involved in our group of companies. And so right. he was playing. And, you know, it was just so exciting for all of us, the community that we had in our yeah. group of companies, yeah. to, to, to integrate that into our celebration of who we are and our identity. Um, so it's very, to me, it's very similar to that, very inspiring. How do your, next question really, how do your social media activities through Friday Catch Up and also Gecko on Tour? Uh, fit into your role at Sousa. Can you elaborate a bit on both? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, first, it's, uh, um, uh, well, I don't mean to be uh, stubborn or something, but it's it's Geeko on tour. Oh, and sorry. why do I emphasize on uh, the fact that it's Geeko and not Gecko? Uh, the uh, mascot of Sousa is a chameleon. And the name Geeko is actually uh, chosen. It's uh, uh, It came from an election. Years and years ago, I don't know, but more than 20 years ago, at least, we actually uh, have our 30th uh, year of existence um, in, I believe, the 1st of September. So, so I'm sorry to interrupt. I've just got it. Geeko 
Yes. Like geek. I yeah, like it. like a geek and then an O behind it. So G double E K O. Um, and um, before I worked at SUSE, I uh, was uh, working for LPI, the Linux Professional Institute. And some people might know that Linux has got a very famous mascot as well. And that's the penguin, the penguin called Tux. So at some point, I don't know where I got the idea from, but at some point I uh, was traveling around uh, the world for LPI and traveling with the penguin Tux with me. And, and I, I started with Geek, well, sorry, with Tux on tour. And um, everywhere I went, I took the chameleon, uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm mixing them up now. Uh, Tux, the penguin, and I took pictures of Tux and me on the Eiffel Tower, Tux and me in uh, Arc de Triomphe, Tux and me uh, in, in, in Madrid on the uh, Don Quixote uh, statue. And all the famous places, if I know visit a place anywhere in the world, I took uh, Tux with me. And uh, then um, uh, at some point, Suze asked me to uh, basically to, to, to reorganize their training uh, business, their go-to-market uh, approach. And um, at first I had Tux on tour and Geeko on tour, but then I uh, kept on really working uh, with uh, Geeko on tour. And that's still something uh, that I do. Of course, now since Corona, we don't travel so much anymore. Um, so when the Geeko on tour wasn't there anymore, um, I had to find an alternative. At least I really wanted to have something in the time that our colleagues and our community was sitting at home that I still could make um, funny, meant to be funny videos or pictures of uh, me and Giko, um, but there was no travel anymore. So then at some point I was sitting together with a, a former colleague and we were talking away and it was Friday afternoon. And we did that a couple of times on a row on a Friday afternoon. And then someone from marketing uh, at that point from Suze came in, uh, it gave us a call while we were having the talk. So we told them what we were doing. Uh, she, actually, that was uh, a uh, female colleague. And uh, she said, well, guys, what you guys are talking about is so interesting. Uh, isn't it an idea to record that? So then we recorded it and the first Friday Ketchup was, uh, was born. And this is how the, the, the Friday Ketchup was uh, born. And um, uh, it, 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 we, we started literally with nothing. Uh, we just uh, um, recorded it. My son, uh, Luke, is cameraman from day one on. And uh, we are now 82 episodes, uh, three seasons uh, down, the, down the road. I, and uh, by the way, that's, uh, you, the, the listeners can't see it, but uh, it's Geeko there behind you, isn't it? That's right. Yes, yeah. that's Geeko. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> it's a big green stuffed Geeko. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Well, you know, having been on your Friday catch-up, I think one of the things that is, um, I thought, so innovative as well is the fact that you always ask your guests to choose a, a particular music track and whatever they choose, you start the show with that musical track. Correct. And, and, and I love it because, you know, I, I, I turn it on, I watch it 
And yeah. there you are grooving away with your head beating, you know, to the beats. And uh, and so is your guest that you're interviewing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just so much fun. And and I just think it's so it's so wonderful that you, you know, there is room for fun. In fact, my last uh, podcast guest was the director of change at the BBC, Sarah Burbage. And I'm, it's like carrying on that theme because we were also talking about um, the, you know, being joyful at work. Yeah. You know, it's actually possible to be joyful, especially nowadays. We need it so much. So, um, um, having said that, so um, you know, having said that, like I said, is um, you know, it's it's interesting. There's um, we haven't even mentioned, by the way, your green shoes. <laughs> no. And I, did you not get recognition from the the CEO of Sousa? For uh, for being for for having an amazing collection of green shoes. Yes. Um, what happened was um, our new uh, CEO and and uh, her uh, um, the, the other members of the C uh, level um, they visited uh, the Dutch office and they walked in the office and they saw me wearing these super bright green shoes and a matching green belt. But that combined with a uh, Italian uh, nice suited uh, um, uh, uh, suit, and um, like having a uh, a shirt with um, uh, cufflinks, cufflinks in the shape of Giko. Um, so different aspects where I try to combine uh, the business uh, side of things. Uh, I don't mind to to wear a suit and a tie, but um, if you are the uh, 12 in a, a dozen um, people wearing a suit and a tie, uh, people will not recognize or remember you. So what I do also when I'm on stage, but also when, um, when I'm going to the office, I want to be uh, remembered because I want my colleagues to think of uh, uh, training when they talk to, to customers. And um, to make sure that you be remembered, but hopefully in a good way, is uh, where at some point I, I, I started wearing the, the green shoes. Uh, so business shoes, business uh, belt, but then um, super bright green. And uh, yeah, that was noticed. And when I was asked why I was wearing these uh, green shoes and the belt by... Uh, the, uh, by Paul Devlin, our uh, uh, chief of uh, commercials uh, at that time. Um, I explained him that I want to be remembered in a business kind of way. So also if you're on stage and if you are uh, doing a sponsored session at the conference, for example, it's challenging that um, people will still remember who... What, what you are talking about, was it Susan something? But now it happens sometimes that people on LinkedIn sent me a message a day later. You were the guy with the green shoes, right? And then you have the possibility to hook into that conversation and um, be able to, well, to, to do your personal and your company branding. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the branding. It's about getting attention in a in a in a, I mean, I often think about that with uh, with people smart. 
um, you know, this is a People Smart production, and uh, I am part of uh, the People Smart organization. And um, it's to me, it's very important, especially with younger, the younger generations coming through, that um, you know that that we are always looking at for ways to stand out. Again, mm -hmm. not in a, a an indulgent way, but with a purpose. And you said, as you said, Emil, you have a purpose in doing that, which is to be memorable. Um, and so this is not business as usual, is it? Uh, <laughs> I mean, do you, do you think that companies should look to be more creative and bold in their use of multimedia, color, music, and how they brand themselves and sell themselves to potential employees? Well, yes, yes and no. Uh, like. For me, it's not something I do, um, well, because I really want to, uh, how would you say that, uh, uh, that I do not like business as usual, because still, at the end of the quarter, I need to make my numbers as well. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's just uh, the, the best possible way, or maybe for me personally, even the only possible way to do it. I am seven years with Susan. And I would not have been seven years with Suze if I would not have gotten the freedom and uh, the, um, the time and the space to, to be creative, to create the video. Because I, I think about, well, half a day a week goes into the uh, creation and production of the Friday Ketchup. Yeah. But um, my manager, uh, who, who is a fantastic people manager, and he is in many aspects the opposite of what I am, and he gives me so much space to be the, the creative person in our team. He knows like he has got super talents in, in managing a team and giving people the feeling that they are welcome and that they are part of the team. And he is such a great people manager. And I've, I'm, of course, a lot more like a, like a young dog, like a puppy uh, jumping around. Uh, um, and if he would cage me, I would probably not have been seven years for Susan. Uh, so it's 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 for, for me it's it's important that it's that it's genuine. That's an important word. And also, if I ask people or people give me feedback, I recently was in a uh, management um, uh, project, and you were everybody was asking for feedback and. What people like so much about me and the way I try to do the business is the, the fact that it is creative, yes, but also genuine. Because if you would be funny to be funny, it probably won't work. Right. So I think that genuine, being genuine also is an important element in uh, why I am successful uh, within SUSE, within my career. Yes, I think that's a really crucial point because it also speaks to the idea that, I mean, what you've just told me about your boss and the freedom you've had and the fact that if you were, you probably wouldn't have been at Sousa unless you were allowed to be your creative self. You are being true to yourself. And that is being genuine and it's being authentic. And, um, but that's such a, you know, taking that principle, you can take that principle and apply it to creating a corporate culture that uh, that includes people and, yes. and pays attention to what each individual 
is naturally passionate and good about. And when you do that, people want to be part of that, that culture, that organ, that community. Yep. As you said, you're an example of someone, and I, I would be the same as you. And in fact, I am the same as you. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only with people smart because uh, there's a huge degree of trust. The, the, our CEO and, and founder, Chris Pether, is, um, gives me complete freedom to, do, to be creative because otherwise it's, uh, I'd be bored. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> and, that. So it's a very important thing that corporate leaders need to understand that if they want to retain their people, if they want to motivate them, if they want to attract, if they want to have people say, well, Sousa's a great company, you know? Oh, really? Why is it a great company? That's why I asked you at the beginning of the conversation, why is it yeah. a great place to work? And I think you epitomize the freedom and trust that should be there to, to allow everyone to flourish. Yeah, epitomized. Um, I like the word, but I have no idea what it means. Sorry, I'm not native English, so uh, I have to ask you what it means. Uh, you epitomize um, what it, it to epitomize something means you um, you define uh, okay. you define you encapsulate um, you represent um, what we're talking about, yeah. which is this freedom to be creative. Okay, okay. And, sorry uh, for for asking that, but um, it's one of the things actually that came forward from a uh, conversation I recently had about inclusive language. And of course, they meant inclusive language that uh, every uh, gender, uh, non-gender uh, would feel welcome in, in the language use. So we had a workshop on inclusive language. But yeah. the funny thing was that in the workshop, uh, they were using a few for non-native English speakers, or let me speak for myself, at least for me. Um, and I speak 95% of the time English, uh, mm -hmm. business-wise at least. So I think my vocabulary would be quite okay. But I, from that moment on, I, I decided if I hear someone using a word that I don't know, I ask someone to, to explain. And not just for myself, because if you have audience outside of uh, native English speakers for this podcast, then uh, there might be more people who don't know this particular word. So a little bit of a sidetrack here, but this is why I ask you, what does epitomize mean? Yeah, no, thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. And you make a very good point because I'm very aware that that the listeners to this show are listening from all over the world. Ah. And, and a lot of them are not native English speakers. So we do have to be careful about, if we mention, for example, if I mention I'm talking to an English guest and we talk about a Premier League football team, that yeah. we actually explain, you know, it's just don't just say Manchester United, say... Manchester United are a football club, one of the top Premier League clubs in the UK. Um, otherwise, they might not know what Manchester United means. Yeah. Um, yeah. I take your point completely. Um, in fact, it was interesting. I was uh, moderating a panel recently in Madrid. <clears throat> and um, one of the panelists who lives in Toulouse is Scottish. And uh, he actually, in our prep call before the panel, um, he said to me, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand me because I've got this strong Scottish accent. Um, please make sure to stop me in the middle of, of the panel. If you think that I'm, if, you, if I need to slow down, if I need to be, speak more clearly, 
Um, and it's so easy just to, to assume that everyone understands. So um, yeah, you make a good point. Um, anyway, that's epitomize. Uh, <laughs> you, you epitomize what you stand for, which is, you know, the importance of inclusion and diversity. Yeah. Uh, and respecting that. Um, and also- I you, try to. Yeah, and you epitomize being authentic, um, uh, which is what we've been talking about. So finally, as we wrap up here, because I can see the time's moved on here, um, the, um, we talked earlier, uh, Emile, um, by the way, I, for the audience's sake, I should have done this earlier, but I am talking to Emile Brock, who's the head of training services uh, responsible for the EMEA and APG regions at SUSE. And SUSE is a, um, uh, how can I explain? Uh, SUSE is a, ex, ex, help me here. <laughs> <laughs> SUSE is uh, the best company in the world. The best yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, open source minded. Uh, so we uh, are uh, making our money by selling subscriptions on open source software. And there's actually uh, maybe something for, uh, in, in the beginning you asked why is SUSE uh, so fantastic? Maybe it's important to explain that um, although open source mean you are free to use and, and free to uh, recreate or uh, do all sorts of things with uh, software, which is open source, still you can make money and even a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. Um, but you do that by uh, selling uh, the software in a subscription format. That's uh, interesting. I didn't know that. That's yeah, so, so that's actually a question I get a lot uh, if people are not from the IT industry. Okay, open source, but how can you still make money? Make money. Well, make money by the services around it, around, of course. So we have great consultants, uh, the training department, um, but... Uh, the, the vast majority of uh, the, the revenue we make is through uh, selling subscriptions on this software. Right. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> You're welcome. Cool. Yeah. So finally, um, we talked briefly before we actually started recording this interview. Um, I mentioned about bold leadership as a theme. And um, you, you made a very interesting comment about um, and, and it's kind of ties in with what I said about this is not business as usual. Mm -hmm. um, you you are a bold leader, um, but what what is I mean? It's it's almost like people. Some people must be wondering how the hell does he get away with it? I mean, how did you actually get on this track to be authentically creative in the way that you are uh, using geekos and plays and ketchups and all that? Um, what is it about you as a leader? And I call you a leader because there is leadership available at all levels. Mm -hmm. What is it? What, what, you mentioned something about um, going ahead and doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, at, at, at SUSE, at least, and of course, also, if you are uh, self-employed or um, uh, many other companies where you could work, um, besides your daytime job like i must make sure that the customers in emea and apj know about SUSE training and they can find the right technical training but um to to accomplish that uh you uh if you would just be the ordinary it will probably be a lot more difficult to to reach the goal and if you're going to ask approval for every little thing you do uh, you probably will spend a lot of time in making big reports 
deep analysis of why you should do something, why you should not do it. I learned in my, uh, uh, I'm 49 right now, uh, that sometimes just start doing it. And if people really don't like it, or if legal people, or uh, there are other reasons why you should not do something, maybe if you insult someone, or if you stop on somebody's toes, like basically what I'm doing at Suze, a lot of my way work, what I do is marketing. Uh, I don't get paid, I don't get paid to do marketing. I get paid to make sure that our, um, uh, our goals are met. And um, if I would ask permission for every little thing, probably it will take so much time that the, the authenticity of it is gone. So things like wearing the green shoes, uh, starting to create a YouTube channel. Um, uh, when I was still traveling, traveling around and, and taking small videos of uh, uh, Giko and me on the Eiffel Tower. I just go ahead. And um, if it's not liked, um, then you stop or you say, apology, I didn't meant to do any harm. I was just trying to be creative. And... Um, I think that's the, that's a way that I try to run the business, that I am a leader. And as I said, when in, in the uh, conversation we had before the recording start, uh, when you said lead, bold leader, I said, I'm not a people manager. Um, so am I a leader then? And, and you said, well, you don't have to be a people manager to be a leader. Well, in that definition, um, having the creativity, taking the freedom, taking the space to stick my head off uh my stake stake so i'm sorry to stick my head above the crowd that is something that um i i do and i don't do it um to um how would you say that to 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 play an act it is just something that i think works the best at least for me in this position thank you there's a big lesson there for a lot of people um, I think, uh, we need more people like yourself, in my opinion. <laughs> I really it will be a busy world if there will be a lot yeah. more of me. <laughs> I, I think my wife would probably disagree with having uh, many more of uh, me. <laughs> and, and also, actually, if you look at a team, if you talk about leadership, um, if you would have 10 Emils in one team, I don't think the team will be very productive anymore so it's also a balance, right? Yes, you might need a, a creative uh, person who doesn't mind if you put a microphone in my hands, I will, I will talk away. Uh, but if you have only people of that kind in a team, um, it doesn't work either. So you must have a balance of different people within a, a team or within a, a, a bigger organization. And um, so I, I think... My, my recommendation to be uh, uh, talking about bold leadership, do what your heart tells you. Yes. Uh, and at the same time, acknowledge that what you just said is also true, that you need to have a balance in any team or group. Yeah. You can't have a team of 10 with 10 meals. <laughs> yeah, I think the administration would be terrible if you have 10 meals. <laughs> okay, great. Now, um, we, you've got to wrap up. We're out of time. Uh, how can people, what contact information can you give to people if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to see catch up, 
uh, Friday Catch-Up? Easiest uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, mm. Look for my name, spell it correct. E-M-I-E-L-B-R-O-K, Emil Brock. And uh, on YouTube, uh, look for Friday Ketchup and ketchup spelled as the red sauce on your hamburger. Um, and and I'm, I'm pretty sure you can, can find it. And if you want to send an email, uh, ebrock at suze.com uh, will find uh, its way as well. Fantastic. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Emil, thank you very much. It's been a, a real pleasure. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have, and I hope the listeners have. Um, it's good to see you. And uh, hopefully I'm going to make it out to Nijmegen at some point. In You're very welcome. And thank you very much for having me. It was uh, a pleasure and even a big honor, like uh, not being a uh, somewhere high in an organization or something, just doing my little thing in this uh, big company and then still being invited for this uh, podcast. Thank you very much. You're very, you're very welcome. I, look, I really do think you know, what you're doing is inspiring. And, uh, and you might not be a well-known household name in the corporate world, but I hope that the people listening to this are suitably inspired because our listeners are not all CEOs. In fact, most <laughs> people are not. So, um, and we can always develop further. So uh, thank you very much indeed. Take care.